Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. What's, have you changed your levels? I think it's probably my philosophical, well, spiritually. No, no, don't, no. Don't no, no. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Stadio Podcast and Ring RC. I'm Lisa Kwonga. Why are you so cheerful? I'm happy to see you, Ryan. Hi, I'm Ryan Hun. <laughs> How are you doing, Ryan? I'm all right, thanks, man. How are you? Very well, indeed. How was your weekend? Uh, it was good. It was long. The nights are long, not necessarily wholesome. Uh, oh, a couple God. of good friends That's were here from out of the town. Yeah, we just went out on the town. It was really nice. Look at you, out on the yeah. town. Went for some drinks, got some... Got some chicken at 2am, 3am, uh, slightly the worse for wear, but it was all good. Did you get a Risa? No, there's a very good, that's the Lebanese place that I discovered during the pan, during the lockdown. And uh, I've been returning to it ever since. Lucky them. Yeah, yeah. Good times, good times. Look at Musa. They should give me equity in that place, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Double jabbed and he's ready to party. Out and about, absolutely. I mean, I'm a 14 year old man, so party's a relative term, but yeah. How about yourself? Very low key. Did some a little bit of DIY and uh, watched a lot of sport. Well, good. Good times. Yeah, watched a lot of football. Obviously, there was both. some very good football, wasn't there? Yeah, there was some really good football. I watched both US Open finals, which were great. Can I say this on the F one? By the way, yeah, I didn't realize how serious the crash was. It was. <gasps> it was bad. It was Ooh, bad. Good job, Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the Grand Prix on Sunday as well. Wild weekend of sport. Shout out to Emma Raducanu as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, friends of mine, I'm, you know, I'm an occasional tennis fan, but friends of mine who are huge tennis fans and from South London were extremely excited uh, because they're like, oh my goodness, Bromley's on the map. Well, I'm like, mm, well. First qualifier ever. 
to win a major. And she didn't drop a set, did she? She didn't drop a set all tournament. Unbelievable. Anyway, yeah. And uh, all about Medvedev serving out the US Open to booze and then doing the dead fish celebration. (laughs) (laughs) That was incredible. (laughs) I could not believe it. That was so good. So good. Talk about fan service. Oh, he was amazing. That's a meme. You're a meme lord. You're a meme lord. To drop that at that time is incredible. The presence of mind, the drop drop a celebration like that is just timeless. Yeah. Yeah. Timeless content. Yeah. However, this is a football podcast. It is indeed. It's, you know, let's stick to the serious beers of football. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we do that, let's do some admin. Hope yes. everyone's staying safe and well. Getting vaxxed if you can. Uh, Righty's House on Wednesday, you and Carl yep, will yep. be on this week. Uh, we're recording that on Tuesday, so we'll cover the Champions League games on Thursday. Daniel Outro's playlist on Spotify. If you want to listen to all the music we play out with each episode, search for Stadio Outros on Spotify and you can find it all there. Uh, you've got, have you got anything else you want to plug? Any books out this week or just some meet and greets? <laughs> No books out this week. No books out this week. Um, yeah, I've got something though. I mean, you've not got a thing on Wednesday. What's that? Uh, oh yeah, I'm doing a reading on Wednesday night at Heimat Tarf and Neukölln. It's about how to write from the heart. It's a panel discussion. So I'm going to be reading from In the End is All About Love and discussing like how to write with vulnerability. So if you're in Berlin. Yeah, 8 p.m. this Wednesday in Neukölln. I might come down. I might heckle. <laughs> You'll be one of many hecklers, tell you that. Three straight Champions Leagues. It's like, Champions Leagues. Just don't spit venom from the crowd like your Cobra. Don't, don't, don't be spitting venom. I'm, I'm going to go full US Open on you and just whenever you start reading, I'm just going to be like, boom. Boo! <laughs> I'll be like, security, security. Boom. <laughs> um, cool, man. I might, put, I might come down. Can you put me on the guest list or do I have to buy a ticket? Uh, I. Might have to ask you to buy a ticket because I'm not sure my privileges extend. Oh no, that's not true. They said to me, I think they said to me, if I could, I want to bring someone. Yeah, I changed my mind. <laughs> oh, because God. we've got to do a podcast on Thursday. So must have one of us has to watch the football. Yes, true actually. Yeah. Oh God. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about some football. We're going to leave some stuff to Wrighty's house, but we'll, we'll mention that through, through the show, the stuff we're going to leave. But yeah, let's get into it after this. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Right, man. Can we start in Germany? Let's do it. I don't think we've started in Germany this season. And we also have a very early contender for game of the season. Well, it was game of the weekend for me, Clive. I don't think it was close. No. I don't think it was close. There wasn't a game like it. No, I don't think so. Bayer Leverkusen 3, Borussia Dortmund 4 at the Bayer Arena on Saturday. Dortmund games are super fun this year. They're not very street smart. They don't come mm. across very street smart at all. No, no, no. I haven't, <laughs> I don't see much of this Dortmund squad that can lock out a game Atleti style, let's say. No, that's true. That's true. But they are super, super fun. I think that's what, 22 goals in their opening four games. Not for them, obviously, but them and yep. the opposition in their opening four Bundesliga games. 
struggling to defend, but really fun going forward. As you'd expect, given their configurations in defence. Yeah, the game of the weekend was a good one. It was a really, really good one, actually. I think it got massively overshadowed because of what was going on at Old Trafford in terms of the the discourse. But, but this, as a, as a game this of game football, was this was like, yeah, incredible. It was incredible. It was incredible. Because I think what I would like to say, first of all, is, I mean, Dortmund still won, which is something, because that's a tough place to go. This fixture has been a difficult one for Dortmund. Leverkusen, at certain points in the first half, looked like the team that looked so dangerous last year, up until about mm. Christmas. Yeah, they've only, they haven't won away in Leverkusen since 2018. And their pressing was ferocious in the first half in particular. It was mm. incredible. Moussa Diaby, Demibai, Florian Ritz's running movement was unbelievable. They were Paulinho too, like dribbling. They absolutely swarmed players. Now, Axel Witzel had come out of centre defence. He was playing in centre defence before. Came back into midfield. There were occasions where I saw him looking up and he was angry at the lack of passing options because, I mean, basically they went sort of, actually it was funny. There was a parallel between what Leverkusen did to Dortmund and what Villa did to Chelsea. They basically matched them player for player and they pressed them in packs and it was brilliant. And they harried them all over the pitch and they made them run. Um, Bellingham actually struggled to play forward, not because he was struggling to play good passes, but because he was like, you know, safety first. Mo Daoud looked swamped for the first half hour, but that wasn't really about an individual problem. It was more like the quality of Leverkusen's pressing. And a lot of people that don't watch the Bundesliga regularly won't be watching Florian Witz, but I encourage them to pay more attention to him as a player because he was superb. The other thing I'd like to say before we get further into analysis is that the thing about Julian Brandt, who's been out with COVID and also is down the pecking order of playmakers, Julian Brandt reminding us in this game, with I think will be one of the goals of the season, Julian Brandt reminding us there are just things that he can do that almost no one else in Worthful can do. Yeah. I, he's I amazing, isn't he? He's one of those players who, do you remember we did the unplayables episode? Yes. I don't yes. think he's quite an unplayable because I think he's a little bit more consistent than that. I don't think he's as mercurial. No, I think you're right. But he's one of those players who has an extremely high ceiling. And when we see it, we really see it. I think I've, I've talked about it a few times on the podcast, but when I was at the three all against Leipzig at mm. the Westfalen and he just ran the game. He's unreal, basically. isn't he? Yeah, he's unreal. And I thought he was, he was so good on Saturday. I mean, his goal was amazing because, I mean, do you want to go through the goals one by one quickly? Uh, because, or do you want to yeah, just, very quickly. Well, do you want um, to just jump around? Because obviously Leverkusen took the lead after nine minutes. Jump around, jump around, yeah. Uh, Florian Verts, as you mentioned, put them ahead. Uh, and this was one of the impressive things about Dortmund, actually, is that they went behind twice, three times, actually, sorry, and came back each time and then went on to win the game, which I think is... Right, shows, this is the kind of game that Dortmund... It's a bit of character. Worked, it's, a bit of character. Yeah, it's a bit cheesy, but it is a statement victory. Like, Do you think this it's a statement is the, victory? Yeah, I think it is, because... Yeah. because you have to, they've already lost one game to Freiburg, right? Two losses mm-hmm. this early in the season is a bad look. They were down the barrel. Shit gets the goal in the stroke of half time to put them 2-1 up. And, you know, Leverkusen, been, that is. Yeah, Leverkusen. He's been banging form Schick. Mm. And you're like, wow, Dortmund are chasing again. And we've seen them so often found it in this position, right? And they kept playing football. They yeah. kept playing football and they began to win the midfield battle as well. This was a big deal too, because, I mean, goodness, partly Leverkusen must have been exhausted but they started to press back. They started to impose themselves. They started to play well on the counter, stretch the play. Marco Royce, shout out to him. Oh, some I of think. his footwork, some of his footwork was breathtaking. And there were certain passages of play when him, Brandt, 
Holland and Bellingham combined, they looked as spellbinding as anything you will see in a top league. Um, I think it was quite a good choice. It's looking like a good choice for Marco Royce to skip the Euros. Yeah, because, I think so. Um, yeah. I think he, that must have been a really tough decision for him, especially as someone who's missed so many international tournaments through injury in the past, yeah. when he was considered his peak. Now, he's still only 32, remember, Marco Royce. Yeah. And to be honest, I think he's probably been in arguably as good a form as he's ever been in his career in the last season and a half. I I'm amazed by how fast he still is. He's just a great player, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's just a really nice balance. When Dortmund click, they really click. Yes. Now, the problem is that, as we've seen many times before, is that how consistently can they click? But at the moment, I think that what's a really interesting development is, or not development necessarily, but let's say a trait with their their performances is that they seem to have kept the intensity that they, they developed under Ed and Terzic, that they kind of started to lose a little bit under, the, under um, Favre. They were quite passive. Mm. They've kind of kept that under Rosa. And Rosa is a really interesting fit for Dortmund because he is obviously like a really intense guy mm. and he can be, but he's also very, I think he kind of seems like a guy who really can really um, look after the younger players as well. Yeah. Like a very much like a kind of, almost like a cool dad energy. Yeah. And it seems like he's understanding. Much made a a daddy reference to Marco Rosa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) It's not your your first, is it right? It wouldn't be. (laughs) It might be the first in public. (laughs) (laughs) This this is the funny thing about. (laughs) Wow. The funny thing about Rosa. Rosa. Disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast. (laughs) This podcast contains adult themes. Adult that thirst. may not be suitable for children. <laughs> there's a, there's a, um, <laughs> I want, you remember like when, when, when you mentioned that, do you remember like Gladbach had a post and it's like Mark Rose, Mark Rose thirst traps. Yep. I wonder if the Dortmund account will start doing similar because it's not as mischievous. They posted one at us. Do you not remember that time? The Dortmund one. No, the Marco, uh, the, the Gladbach account. That's we, what I mean. We, I'm wondering if the we, Dortmund we posted, one will be as, yeah, yeah, we posted a, a, a clip from a podcast where we were basically just thirsting on Marco Rosa for like 45 seconds. <laughs> and Gladbach replied with a, just a thirsty pick of Marco Rosa. It was, it was a good day. Well, this is what I mean. I'm wondering if Dortmund will do it because they're more sensitive. They're more kind of, well, they're, not, they're more like, they're less playful. They're less playful than the Gladbach uh, account. Yeah. We'll yeah, see. yeah, we'll see. We'll crack, we'll crack them. We'll see. What I love about Rosa is there's a couple of times I've watched him on the sidelines this season where you can really see that like he's aware of the energy of club that he is coaching at. The Dortmund energy of like the things that happen, like the kind of the goals, that, you know, the early goals they concede or the defensive mishaps. He's got this very good, um, he seems just body language, but he's got a very good way, I think, of channeling intensity, right? Mm. Like he's very, very good at transmitting a certain energy or to the players, just in terms of the performances they're giving him very early on. And, you know, Leverkusen, they really had it their own way. We'll get into the, well, the one goal I want to talk about very quickly is the, um, the Brandt goal mm. against this former club. This was outstanding. So the ball gets hammered into him. I think, I don't know if it was Holland playing into him. Yeah, it was. And he, t- he takes the ball on his heel as it's behind, it's behind him when he takes it's it. Almost on his, it's almost like uh, it's, it's hip on, height. His, on his buttock. Yeah, it's like basically hip height, buttock height. And he flicks it with his right foot into his path and then drags it with his left foot, second touch away from the defender. And then it's high into the net. And it's like, it's the kind of goal that only maybe a handful of players can score. It's, you know, like Benzema. I was going to say Ar- Benzema. Oshavin, Ar- Andre Oshavin. It's this kind of like highly technical improvised To be fair, finish. for Andre Oshavin, it would have been about neck height. 
so I'm not sure he would have yes. been able to. <laughs> <laughs> so, the finish, uh, he would have ripped it hard. The finish, yeah, yeah, yeah. The finish was amazing. Like, the touch was amazing. It was very, like, it was one of those, like, uh, reflex, kill the ball dead. Um, but it would have been, I think, for example, if someone like Benzema had done it, or if it had happened in the Premier League, I think a lot of people would have, it would have been going doing the rounds on social. I think the speed of it, also, I think, weirdly enough, the speed of it, the speed of the first touch so is so great. brilliant. Yeah. I think that it's going to go under the radar as well. And it's a little season. bit, and it's a little, little tiny bit scruffy because it's really hard to get a completely clean control yeah. on that. But the yeah. fact is it, it goes straight into his path. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, again, this is something that Brandt did at that Leipzig game that I keep talking about. That He scored yeah. that goal that brought everyone to their feet. And I literally goal. did the Bobby Robson, Ronaldo thing. I stood up in the press box so like, put my hands on my head and was just like, holy shit. What have I seen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. And he has that capability, Julian Brandt. And he's such an intriguing player because like I say, on his day, he can be really, really hard to play against. He looked like he was going to start thriving in a deeper role for Dortmund. Mm. It didn't really work because I don't think he... It's the defensive heft, it's the, the attack. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I think it's, it, he's obviously physically a big dude, but I think it's just the... It's the awareness defensively and the kind of, you know, I think like, and he, I just don't think he's as scrappy as like Mo Dehuda or even Jude Bellingham. I think being pressed as well, you know what it is? It's like such a specific thing. If you did play a kind of Pirlo type thing, it's such a specific requirement to escape that pressure. Mm. Um, and it's not that he can't do it. It's just that I think for him to work in a deep lying role requires such a complete reconfiguration of, of everything. Yeah. So I think he still is really, I think he is still great as a kind of wide play, playmaker, wide forward, but as we know at Dortmund, they're absolutely stacked in those positions. You know, mm. talking Hazard to come back, Gio Reyna. Yeah, well, Gio Reyna was missing because he got injured yeah. on international duty and I think that's why Julian Brandt yeah. played. Um, and with Witzel going back into midfield, that kind of sets, just makes Dortmund look a little bit more steady going forward. Does, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we said, Leverkusen took the lead three times, Wirtz with the first, Schick on half time, and then Diaby um, about 10 minutes into the second half. Guerrero leveled it with a free kick, which Marco Royce knew was in before it went in. <laughs> Marco Royce's hands went up before it even hit the back of the net. It was an amazing free kick from Rafa yeah. Guerrero. And then obviously the penalty, which a lot of people missed, went to VAR. Marco Royce basically was running towards the byline and getting shepherded out. He kind of got like a flick in the face. And I think it, I think it, it was soft, but I think it was right. a foul. Right. Yeah. One of those, it's like, like, it's like, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like the Leipzig penalty against Bayern where it's like, it just shouldn't have been, it's something the defender shouldn't have done and didn't need to do, but it's still a penalty because it's just right there. Yeah. It shouldn't, yeah, it shouldn't, it, it, it looks soft because it's like, oh, that was a piece of defending that didn't need to happen. Um, like the situation looked like it was under control. So yeah, but it was a penalty and, and Holland, of course, doing what Holland does. Puts it away, nice and calm, runs over to the corner, a load of beers start flying. Jude Bellingham was on his back celebrating and man <laughs> caught a beer. <laughs> the reflex is to do that. The thing is, I wish he hadn't actually taken a sip. He took a sip and then the, spat it out. Yeah, don't, don't drink from don't, the bottles. Don't yeah, drink yeah. from yeah. stuff that's been thrown from the crowd, please. Really I mean, don't, yeah. But I think it's just a reflex thing because he caught it and it did, it, to be fair, it looked amazing. Yeah, and I think I think the reflex. I think I think doing it was almost like you're in the moment, you're in the flow of like it's yeah, quite yeah, defiant. Yeah. But I think also like you know couldn't hear a word of what they were saying the fans, but they were exceptionally vocal. Like even from the very beginning, 
It was very were, loud, actually. Yeah, wow, wow. It was very loud. The f- fans are starting to increase more in Germany and it's, it's starting to get very loud. But um, I hope they'll look back on that game and be like, this was, this really showed us something. Yeah, I mean, I th- I, to be honest, I think the, the interesting thing about this game is obviously because you look at the Bundesliga now, we're four games in, Wolfsburg are still top. Of course they are. That's, but they so, will, but so they will game. fall, they will fall away. You know, <laughs> they've, I, th- I don't think they will, They've had quite a kind. Um, oh no, no, of course, of course, there was. Just you know, what it is. It's just really funny how they always do this. It's really funny how Wolfsburg like just go unbeaten for ages. Yeah, I mean, Bochum, Hertha, the Leipzig result is the one, and then and Greuterfurt. That is a very, very kind opening to the season. Yes. Um, I. It was going to be interesting to see how they manage the tougher fixtures when they come around, and also the return of the Champions League because they've got Lille this week. But then you have Bayern in second. They obviously beat Leipzig on the weekend, who are struggling. And I know it's only four games into Jesse Marsh's tenure, but Bayern was 3-0 up. Leipzig got a goal back. Chupa Moteng scores to make it four. Now, this is 4-1 away in a fixture which over the last few years has been probably one of the most brilliantly intense fixtures in the Bundesliga. The amazing trio last year. The amazing trio last year. Do you know what it is with this game and... There was the most, the most iconic thing, the, the most striking thing for me was watching Sabitzer and Kimmich combining because those are two players who were core to RB Leipzig's drive in the last few years. And both times, Bayern just came in, swooped and took them and Nagelsmann on the sideline. Like that really is the kind of underlying story of this in terms of, you know, Bayern, Bayern's depth is just mind-blowing, right? And then at the same time, while Bayern's depth is mind-blowing, RB Leipzig made, like, I think, five changes from the game before. So the team that Bayern played, I mean, Bayern were pretty much at full strength, right? Um, I mean, do you, would you class Kimmich in that, though? Because, I mean, he left Leipzig six years ago. Yeah, but like... And he was played, 20 years old. Played, but played like... He was obviously going to be like... under them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He was going to be like the next... You know, if, if you're doing a kind of what if, like they hang on to Kimmich, then it's a different... Hey, well, what if Stuttgart hang on to him? Well, absolutely, absolutely, right? So, like, just the symbol of, like... The symbol of Bayern absorbing the best talent. Um, well, I mean, Upamecano going the season. Yeah, and that wasn't... You had like Upamecano exactly. and Sabitzer coming back to Leipzig for Bayern. Yeah. Sabitzer making his debut off the bench. He was captain most of last season, pretty much. And the booing, and, yeah. The and booing. it was like, that hurt, that... That hurts. It must hurt, yeah. It must hurt because that, that's the challenge for Marsh, isn't it? He's trying to like juggle the pack and work things around, but... It's a real, real challenge for him. And I think maybe this job is maybe even tougher than it looks, I think. Mm. And maybe we expect or expected too much of Leipzig. Yes, Nagelsmann's coming in and things are difficult, but he's got depth. And also, like, as you said it before, like square pegs and square holes. Like, there's very, very few things I'll ever criticise Hansi Flick for. Maybe his deployment of um, Sané wasn't the best, but Sané's looking happier now. But he's also looking uh, good for Germany. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's look, yeah, that's also, yes. He's looking good in wide positions under Flick, obviously for Germany. So he's looking great at wide. Um, and let's just give the biggest shout to Jamal Musiala because this is a player, I mean, Leipzig must hate playing against him because he always does this against them. He has the ability to run at the heart of defences unlike almost other young, young attacker in world football. Like, to run at the heart of a defence with ideas. Yeah. And it's not just, he's not just going at them like he's got a plan, right? That is not a common thing at this age, this level. 
and he always looks, I mean, he always looks dangerous and he always wants possession, dangerous positions. It's all similar, like a Yusufa Makoko type thing. And a, a Pedri, you know, Pedri's a different type of player, but players finding solutions, creating immense problems with the opposition and crucially coming into games. I think he'd say mm-hmm. thing, he think he came on as a sub in the other game as well, in the three all. And they basically unleashed him against the kind of Leipzig press, which until then was suffocating and he changed the match. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Jamal Masiala, very impressive. Anyone that hasn't checked him out, I'd really encourage you to watch. He's incredible. His goal watch was lovely. Games. Yeah, um, yeah. Gladbach got their first win of the season as well, as did Hertha. Uh, Gladbach beat Armenia Bielefeld, who were good, actually, on mm. Sunday. Very, very good. Um, and Attractive side to watch. Yeah, a lot of people kind of questioned the timing of Frank Kramer's hire because they got rid of Neuhaus in March last season. Mm. So a lot of people were a bit like, oh, really? Why? But actually, I think it's, it's proved to be all good so far. Kept them up. Has made some slight tweaks. At the moment, they wouldn't be my, one of my main shouts to go down, but it is super, super tight down there at the moment because you've got Hertha in the bottom three, Eintracht a 15th, and then mm. you have like Armenia, Bielefeld, Borkum, and Leipzig. And Leipzig are level on points with Hertha in 16th. But Gladbach, two from uh, Lars Stindl. That guy, man. Officer and like, a gentleman. I just love Lars Stindl. I love him so much. And uh, Dennis Zakaria got the, uh, the third. It was really, it was really, it was just one of those like, it was very loud in there. Mm. Stindl got his second on the 69th minute and then Zakaria on the, in the 72nd minute. And it just felt like, ah, this is what Gladbach were very, very recently until they hit that mad run of form from January onwards last season. Yeah. Good league. I mean, Good I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not concerned about Leipzig in the long term because I think they've got goals in them. And I think whenever you look at the bottom of the Bundesliga, it's like who has the firepower later on. True. I mean, that Andre Silva signing is hopefully going to be... Also, Leipzig, one. they looked good. And for actually, you know, it's weird to say this, but they looked pretty decent, even all the changes, until Musiala came in and had the intervention. They were that just is the true. Even though, they, they, were, even, okay. though, even though yeah. they were behind, it was a good game of football. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did have that goal disallowed for offside, which was marginal. Danny Olmo looked really good. They made some really yeah. good inroads, actually. They regrouped really well after the first goal uh, because I was actually, I had a bit of a rewatch because I was like, this game didn't feel like a 4-1. No, it, no, you're it, right. It, 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 it didn't feel like, it's like a two and a half one. It didn't feel like a, didn't feel like a, a four one. A two and a half one. There we go, yeah, yeah. Shall we take a break? Let's do it. The Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xE plug-in hybrid is built for the best of both worlds. For the city buzz, for the call of the wild, for finding solitude, for sharing memories, for day trips, and for far-roaming adventures. Because with gas and electric capability, the Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xE inspires you to explore more to explore it all. Tap the banner to learn more. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do you want to go now? Let's go to... Do you want to do the Prem? Do the Prem quickly. Drop in there, the see what's going on. Yeah, see what's going on. On the Prem, 
and on the Women's Super League, actually, we're going to do a couple of bits on Wrighty's house because we're going to talk about Mo Salah and his 100 goals. Do you want to use that to talk Leeds-Liverpool on Wrighty's house? We'll do Leeds-Liverpool on Wrighty's house. Quickly, yeah, just shout out to Harvey Elliott. Hope he heals. That's the headline. Yeah, too, man. That's yeah, the headline. Too, man. Fuck, that's such a horrible injury. And just the form he was in as well. The f- he worked so hard. All injuries are horrible, we know that. But there's something really, really heartbreaking about when a young player who's just kind of breaking through. And it's so difficult. Yes, yeah, so to get a place in the Liverpool midfield three. Oh, oh, oh he's been so yeah. good as well. And that just, yeah. that, that for me just... It's awful, awful. But it was, a really, it was a really good game of football. But maybe we'll touch on it on Ray's house because we're going to talk about Mo Salah. So, well, you will. I'm not even there. I'm the same we for, just inviting myself to something. Yeah, exactly. FOMO. We'll also talk about the Super League, the Women's Super League a little bit because obviously Viv Miedemar got her 100 goals for Arsenal last week. Now, I know obviously the main kind of newsy story is Old Trafford. We'll talk about that in a little bit because stepping away from the occasion side of it, I think it was actually quite routine for Man United. Yeah, I mean, like a 4-1 win over Newcastle is not unprecedented for United. No, but I actually want to start at Selhurst Park, if that's cool, because I think that in terms of a seismic result this season, I think this is a, I think this is a bigger result. Obviously Spurs hadn't conceded the goal, won all of their games so far, quietly doing a lovely job easing himself into the role, Nuno. And then they get hit with this 3-0 defeat at Selhurst Park. Now, all the goals came after Tanganga's red card. Yeah. Um, I mean, that felt existential. Should we talk about the first foul on Wilf? Can I be honest with you? I reckon it wasn't the foul because basically, like, so Zaha does him for speed on the outside and he brings him down. Then they square up to each other. And I think that weirdly enough, I think he was, you can never tell with these things, but maybe still quite a bit rattled because that was such an intense set to, like, you know, and players go at it like that. They were really drawing at each other. And there's not often, you know, most of the time when you see players doing that, you're like, it feels like a kind of, a phony war. You don't feel it's going to become actually physical, but with that, they look like genuine animosity. And when he makes a second foul for the second yellow, it wasn't a, a dirty foul. It felt like just mistimed, but it felt like he was still, like his blood was still up. Does that make sense? Mm. And it broke up in such a tight game. The thing with Palace is, my one issue with them over the last couple of years has been, does Wilfred Zaha have like a reliable kind of raiding partner? You've got Eze from deep and Zaha as the attacker, but you feel like they've always needed that kind of dead-eye finisher. Now they've, well, well, they've got, they've got another, they've got, they've tooled up a little bit. Odson Edwards. Well, I was going to say Conor Gallagher, man. Low Conor Gallagher has been, it's been superb. And then Edward on top of that with two goals, one after 27 seconds after coming on. Fastest Premier League goal-scoring debutante. There you go. Unreal, unreal. First touch control, second touch finish. It's really, really impressive what, um, what Palace did against Spurs. Now it's one result. Uh, it's a tight game. It was at home, all the rest of it. But they have to take heart from this. For this sure. is a really encouraging... We've seen so many times before in any league how a reliable finisher can just shoot you up the table. Mm-hmm. And they could have something exciting ahead of them. I mean, it's just, you know, sample size of one game, but they could have an exciting couple of months ahead, I think. Still got Eze to come back as well at some point. You know, they only in the league they've only lost to Chelsea so far. They obviously, I think the nil-nil against Brentford was a bit of a, mm, mm, but they weren't. I don't think they were dreadful against Chelsea on the first on the first game of the season. Point at West Ham, I think, based on West Ham's form last season and that, and actually their their form at the beginning of this season as well, I don't think was a, a dreadful result either. Yeah. Um, 
and getting their first win of the season against the side that was top of the table. Clean sheet. Yes, Spurs went down to 10 men, but it was quite feisty before that. And I think they held their own. They weren't really, they didn't really seem to be under the cosh that much. The Tanganga thing with Saha, he knows he gets fouled, right? Right. Let's take one of the Premier League's previously most fouled players, Eden Hazard. Mm. Hazard kind of wore it like a badge of honour. You never really saw him, as far as I can remember, you never really saw Hazard go after players who fouled him afterwards. It was kind of like, well, yeah, of course you did. He very much gave that energy. I mean, he kind of has that energy anyway, doesn't he, Hazard? He's a little bit aloof. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Wilf just doesn't have that. He wants the smoke. I wonder if every time he got fouled, if he just kind of was just like, well, yeah, this is going to happen because I'm that good, as opposed to just going after people. I wonder... I'm not, like, I, put, I'm I not know, putting I, the blame on him because he gets the shit kicked out of him. But do you know what I mean? Like his reaction to Tanganga on the weekend kind of, I think, gave Tanganga what they... like. He, they, he, what I'm trying to say is, I'm wording this so badly. No, no, no. I want Zaha to be the best player he can possibly be. And I think he gives... His reactions to the way he's treated, I think, gives defenders too much joy and they know they can rattle him and that's why it keeps going that. Do you know what's weird? And it's so strange. No, but it's so strange because I was watching. It's so strange to say that because I was watching this game and I thought, I thought the opposite. I thought it's like a comet across the night sky, right? And it's trailing rocks and dust and like stellar material everywhere. That's what Zaha is. Zaha is like like a Rooney type thing in terms of you look at look at look at Rooney against Newcastle with that volley, right? He's screaming at the ref for a free kick he doesn't get. The ball drops and he smacks it in the corner, and it's like, what's that? He's just. He's just a, like a Tasmanian devil. That's what Rain Rooney is like. And these players, there are certain players who, that is just who they are. And I couldn't help but think, because it was funny you mentioned that. I saw Zaha was on, he, was, he, was, he outlasted Tanganga and scored that like penalty, really coolly scored that penalty. And I think that his whole thing, his, his whole rage, his whole energy, that's like, that's like his thing. That's his essence. The other thing I think as well about Zaha that's interesting, I think he's one of those players that is just fairly, um, I think he's a homebody. Yeah. I think he, when, when Reyes, Reyes went to other clubs and he did all right at Atleti actually, he was okay, but Reyes at Sevilla, there's an element of like, well, it's like Joaquin at Betis. Mm. He's basically a kind of English Joaquin and everyone's like, when Royce are we going to see Dortmund. the best? Exactly. He's just, you know, took, a, genu- took a brief I, trip to Gladbach and then came back. I genuinely think he's one of those players that is just a homebody and the best Zaha we're ever going to see is at Palace. I just think it's like that. And mm. you just get those people, right? You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, totally. I, I mean, it was more of a like a... No, I, I, know, I know what you're saying. Not, yeah. It wasn't a criticism of Zaha at, at all because I really like Wolf Zaha, but it was just more like, you can tell by the treatment that he gets from people, just like, you bother them a lot. I think that that was almost, the, the Tanganga thing was interesting because I saw that conversation and thought, even though he was the one with like, the rage as well. I was like, yeah, but he's in control. I saw Tanganga and was like, you're not in control of this because Zaha basically is just trying to kind of almost like overwhelm you. It's so weird, the psychology of taking players on, isn't it? It's the whole context of like the sort of mental disintegration, like sledging and cricket. But I think it was in there. You think? Yeah, I, th- I think it was in there with Tanganga. I think that he had, he kept him at a level. Sorry, this is all like, I know this is like amateur psychology, but- No, no, just, no. It's like, it's, it's I just watched something that I wondered, it's just something I wondered about, Wilf. I'm not saying that like, I'm not doing the, the kind of like the, uh, you know, the talk radio or whatever kind of, like, it's a mentality thing, you know? It's like, no, I'm just saying that 
I do wonder because Wilf shows, but like you say, that's actually maybe his kind of like, it's almost like a, not every like MC has to be mad aggro. Some are just a little bit more chill and kind of like blah, blah, blah. But then some people's, if the, the ones who were mad aggro took that aggression out of it, they wouldn't be half the MC they were. Yeah, exactly. Some you know? just have that. So yeah, it's, just, it's, the, it's like delivery, isn't it? It's the delivery. Yeah, yeah. So maybe actually yeah. Wolf's delivery is is what makes him. It was more of a question as opposed to a criticism. Like whether it, I, I wonder whether it gives defenders more satisfaction knowing that you can kind of read his his state during the game a lot of the time. He also has a very strange status in the Premier League in terms of... He does, doesn't he, actually? Yeah, because he's like a bit of a unicorn. If you think of like, there are very few Premier League teams of whom so much is expected creatively. Mm. Until Eze came along, Zaha was carrying a lot. That's a big, big, big burden slash pressure to go out there. It was almost like a kind of like Jack Grealish type thing, but even more so. Like he had, I would say actually he had more of a burden than Grealish, to be honest, in terms of what is expected of Zaha to run an attack. And I think also because Zaha had already had that big move. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Zaha's kind of in a weird category by himself he in is. terms of- Yeah, he is, he is. In yeah. terms of the, you know, I don't know what you call expected pressure. There's no stat for it, but in terms of like the burden on, on Zaha. Like he's, you like watch, Frank, he's like the Frank Zappa at the Premier League. Yeah, you, you watch- yeah, <laughs> you you watch. <laughs> like, where is he? No, it's perfect. You, you see him, you see him. I love the Zappa actually in Agi, because you know Zappa, there's, there's no one you can compare Zappa to. No. You can't compare Zaha to anyone. I was when watching Grealish for Man City against Leicester was interesting because he's clearly someone who is just playing within himself and playing within the wider attack. Mm. Not that he's taking it easy, he's not, but he's kind of like, he's part of an orchestra, right? Mm-hmm. And so his style, his play is more relaxed, it's more leisurely, it's still, you know, still intense, but there's a kind of like, I don't have to do it all. I don't have to be action jack, right? Whereas like Wilf always has to be the guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't think you can calmly be the guy like that. I just don't think it, I that's, don't think it's do possible. You know what, that's a really, that's a really, really good point because obviously when, when I made the like the Hazard comparison, Hazard was at Chelsea surrounded by like a lot of other people who could take the weight. So he was almost like insulated. Yeah, exactly. Actually, that's it. That's it. I'm glad we figured this out in real time because I love it when we do this, when one of us raises a, what, what do you think? And then we kind of figure it out. Wilf doesn't have the insulation. That's it. That's He's what like it is. front line. Yeah. You What's know? the thing that Hulk says? I'm exposed like a nerve. He's a nerve. Yeah, he's a nerve. Yeah. yeah. There we go. We did it. We did it. Oh, God. wow. <laughs> Study oh. process of deduction. Oh, I like it when we do that. Feels good. <laughs> Let's head north. Old Trafford. Yes. The big homecoming. Uh, off the pitch, very quickly, a few people noted how strange it was to see Ryan Giggs invited into the director's box. Yeah. Especially with the context of the Ronaldo signing, which we discussed on a previous episode. And also, Ryan Giggs is awaiting trial on assault charges and a number of other charges which you can go and read about if you're not aware of them. I think probably Manchester United have misread the tone there. Also, there was a plane flown over which said, believe Catherine Mayorga, which was paid for by the group Level Up. I imagine we will see a lot of this and discussions will continue to be had about it. Yeah. Um, on the pitch, however, the narrative was in full flow. Cristiano Ronaldo got two on his second debut for Manchester United. The first thing to, to note was the noise. Oh my the God, noise it was, was so loud. Because we said, um, was it the opening day of the season? We were like, fucking hell, yeah. Old Trafford is loud. This was loud. This was loud. So um, loud. 
And so, yeah, the, obviously incredible intensity. This, so the thing about United with Cristiano Ronaldo there is that the firepower, when it is in sync, is just overwhelming. I mean, Paul Pogba's got seven assists in the first four games. That's He's on course for 67 in the league. So when Sunez said, do it every week. He's doing it every week. Pogba took that literally and is going to absolutely obliterate the Premier League uh, assist record. Well, he, you know, who knows how the season will settle down, but... Just, just for the record, I don't think he's going to get 67 assists in the yeah, Premier League yeah. season. What I will say is, so Ronaldo's two goals, very different. The first one was a classic, you know, the classic coaches finish, Tony Cotty style, popping up to put home a rebound uh, from very close range. And the second goal, one touch from Luke Shaw, pass, and then a finish with the other foot. So those are classical strikers finishes, the kind of thing that he was doing for Portugal at the Euros. So he's banging form and looking very fit. He, uh, um, he, got a, he got a very, very, very big helping hand from Freddie Woodman, who yeah. had a bit of a mare in goal for Newcastle, to be honest. But I think he'd probably be more disappointed with the first one. Actually. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing, if, in his defence, absolutely nothing he could do about the third one, which was... Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes was this some kind of, this was... Do you know what? This wow. is like a Pellegrino Matarazzo when Jesse Marsh rocked up in the Bundesliga and he's just like, guys, you've already got an American here. I've been right here the whole time. No, that's exactly what and like was. Bruno Fernandes is just like, guys, you've already got a Portuguese right here. I'm right here. I'm right yeah, here. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely what that was. I mean, that, that strike, lovely square ball from Pogba, one of the easiest to still pick up all year. And then the way it was just, it moved so, so much. This Such ball moved goal. so much in the air. Oh, wow. It was unreal. And then Jaylings. Yeah, lovely pass. And Pogba was beautiful, like sort of, that almost was like, like pass around the corner. Goal the game. That, that assist was gorgeous. Well, he flicked it around the corner and spun off it. Well, it's just been, a, it feels like it's been a while since we've seen Manchester United play um, consistent, intricate interplay around the edge of an opposition box. It feels like every single Manchester United goal over the last two or three years has just been scored on the run. Whereas this, yeah, this, they really broke them down. Obviously it hasn't, but do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. like... Yeah, and I think you're completely right. The, the thing with this, I, I still think that United's midfield department will ultimately let them down. I still think that will happen, right? But the thing about the addition of Varane, Varane is plugging so many gaps already. He's so good. With, with a central defender that good and that quick, it takes so much pressure off the defensive midfield. It's just I mean, unbelievable. Maguire and Varane yeah. is like... It's an elite partnership, actually. Might be the best upgrade. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But yeah, quickly. So that's that's United winning four one. Um, quick bounce to Chelsea if we don't mind. If you don't mind, go for it. Chelsea three 0 over Villa. Two beautiful goals from Romelu Lukaku and Kovacic. Oh my goodness, Kovacic's assist for Lukaku's opener is one of the most beautiful things I've seen. Like Kovacic just like liberated. So Sal Niguez alongside Kovacic. Kov- Sal Niguez looked a bit rusty. I think it's fair to say. What, do you know what? It's really funny that Sal started because I think when he when he signed, we said that he's probably not going to feature mm. like all the time in that Chelsea midfield. Yeah. Obviously, I think injuries to Kante. Yeah, um, he he looked, he looked, he looked rusty. Bench, yeah, and he got yeah. I mean, he got pulled at half time. Yeah, uh, he kind of gave the ball away for uh, a big chance that Villa had in the first half. Yeah, and the um, pressing was ferocious on him. Yeah. I mean, Villa, uh, but, were, Villa were fun, man. Like They were really, really good. They were yeah. really, really good. I mean, Tyrone Mings came out with a very humble tweet. He's, he's, done, some, he's done that a couple of times this year, he's coming out man. and like apologising for better things. You know, he said, look, I did badly for the second goal. We were looking quite good. And he's right. Like They, they took the lead really well, uh, Chelsea. But after that, Villa put on some great pressure. And Ollie Watkins, I have to say, with 
a little bit of a little bit more certainty in front of goal, Villa should have had one or two mm. in that first half. But then, I mean, Lukaku's closing goal, just lovely sound at the net. For the, for oh, the, that was a Holland type vibe, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lovely. That, so yeah, Chelsea looking good. There's going to be a really, really good battle for the Premier League Golden Boot this season. Yeah, I must say, I watched, I watched, I watched um, uh, Manchester City, Leicester City, and that was not thrilling. No, it wasn't. Neither was uh, Brentford Brighton, but Brent, but Brighton got a late winner to yeah be right up there. They are right a, up there. It's and, a great, uh, great win for them. Brentford tough to break down. And obviously, the biggest result of the weekend was at Emirates Stadium, where Arsenal hammered Norwich one 0 That ball was doing anything to not go in, wasn't it? Can I just shout out Thomas Partey, whose pass that led his pass into Saka for the that led to the goal was so good. You've been missing that, haven't you? Yeah, I've missed that a lot. Partey, man, Partey, what a player! Ainsley Maitland-Niles getting a start in midfield. Maybe the Instagram post worked. He's playing what in a his character. Favorite. How is that the first time he's played in midfield under Arteta? Is that the first time that social media has actually worked in terms of selection <laughs> policy? The come and get me plea, or just the help. Hell. Yeah, right, right. Do you right. know what that Instagram post reminded me of? There was a, there's like an urban myth. I think it's the second urban myth in a row. Or I heard a, heard a story about once about someone opening a fortune cookie in a restaurant. And instead of some amazing advice, it just said, help, I'm trapped in a fortune cookie factory. <laughs> that was what, <laughs> what Ainsley Maitland-Niles' <laughs> Instagram post was. <laughs> it was I think have the, and have it totally well. worked like he's now yeah, playing but, central midfield but it, because you know I liked about the Instagram post to be honest with you it was like it was genuine exasperation which is I just want to play football it wasn't like yeah, yeah so a lot of people have criticisms of it but there was this slightly kind of um, traditionalist oh keep it all in house but we aren't to know what means have been exhausted we aren't to know what you know th- this is someone who when, when, when you go public like that in most cases it's because all other avenues are broken down, generally speaking. And I tend to be more player charitable in this respect because you don't get as far as that as a footballer unless you really, really care about being a professional. And so there's a sense where you know your career's got to kick on, right? And like, this is actually, to be honest, like, um, shout out to Jesse Marsh here. Jesse Marsh is going to have Ilaix coming in at Leipzig. You know, that's a, that's a transfer will be very interesting for Leipzig. Mm-hmm. Ilaix got a lot of criticism for the way he engineered his move away from Barcelona. But I can't say that Ilaix going to Leipzig is a bad move for him. Not nope. right. And I see Maitland-Niles' social media posts in the same context. Like, this is someone who just wants to play football and the clock is ticking. And look at Harvey Elliott's injury. Bless him against, you know, against um, Leeds for Liverpool. Harvey Elliott's injury. This is, a, this is someone who fought so hard to get a spot in the squad. And who knows what will happen while he's recovering. A player might come in. It might be Naby Keita who surges into incredible form. And by the time he recovers from injury, the gap is closed again. It might be Curtis Jones. Mm. So the windows to make your name in the Premier League are so small, right? And they're getting smaller all the time. So yeah, shout out to Mate and I. Hope he kicks on from here, right, literally. Um, like we said, we'll touch on the Super League on Wright's House. But um, yep, yep. let's go to... La Liga? I think we should do Serie A first because someone has fed the Cobra Prosecco. Yes, they have. And he is rampaging down the touchline. <laughs> I was really... So Roma, for those who didn't catch last week's episode, Jose Mourinho is, is the Cobra in question. So Jose Mourinho's Roma beat Sassuolo 2-1. This is a fantastic game of football. 
and you know Sassuolo been playing some great stuff um and Roma showing real resilience yeah El Shawari what 93rd minute El Shawari glorious finish as well glorious finish and Tammy Abraham in the middle of all the action Tammy is having a lot of fun in Rome the way he's occupying back fours is really impressive the way he stretches defenders you know you saw it I mean, obviously, Holland is the best example of someone who occupies a back four alongside Lewandowski. Like Holland and Lewandowski are the absolute masters of hanging right up top, pinning the centre backs, and just drawing two men at a time. What was so impressive about Tammy Abraham against Sassuolo was a lot of the same chaos, the same havoc, just in terms of the space he was finding. I think he hit the post on one occasion, mm. denied again, and just his movement is just so good, so so good. Jose took off down the touchline. Do you know what I'd love someone to do? I'd love someone to time the the running down the touchline from the Porto at Old Trafford and now yes. and see how far his pace has dropped. That's a Duncan Alexander stat. I'd love do to do the see same that. distance. Can someone can someone please do that? Someone who's Do you know what's funny? I think he's still probably quite fast. We consider that sprints, right? It's not that you're not that quick, it's that you can't do the same number of intense sprints. So maybe back then he could have done like five of those per match. But if he's just limiting himself to one or two, he's still pretty quick. Yeah, but also though, think about it. That age, no offense, Jose, but like pegging it down a touchline without warming up. Exactly. Yeah, can right, you, right. Uh, can you, I, I would never wish this, but can you imagine if a man, if one day we saw a manager peg it down the touchline and they pull the hamstring? Do you know who would do it? Do you know who'd do it? Of course, Van Hal would do it. Van Hal ain't running anywhere. No, not anymore. I mean, he did, he did dive on the touchline and we did see that. We did. Yeah, but. <laughs> this is a man that actually flopped on a touchline. Sorry, that was, nah. That was like the big Jake Gyllenhaal, like, nah. Nah, nah, not nah. the one, not the one. I know, I know everyone like loved it and Twitter went wild for a bit, but nah. Wasn't the one. Nah, come on, Louis. You weren't feeling it, weren't feeling it. You're supposed it. to be a serious manager here. Nah. Van Hall. Yeah, nah. But that's, yeah, but that's, but you say that he's, he's the. He did get his balls out once as well, I suppose. Yeah, he's exactly. He's the most frivolous, serious manager football's ever seen. Yeah. Like he's simultaneously the joker and the, and the professor. You don't get that combo very often. Anyway, Roma, top of the league. Great win for Roma. Uh, good win for Milan over Lazio, 2-0. Really good win for Napoli over Juventus. Koulibaly loves a bit of Juventus. Gets the winner against them. Right at the end as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was very hyped about that. Oh, Juve are in a big wobble. They are 16th in CR. Only three games played, obviously, but they have just got the one point so far. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah, yeah. Zlatan came on, scored for Milan, and then just randomly decided to kick off on Lucas Lever at full time, which got Sari sent off. Existential. Let me just say that the marking for that goal, for Zlatan's goal, was the defending was so poor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just literally no one decided to even remotely try and mark him when he broke through. Rebic with a lovely ball did most of the work. Zlatan tapped it in, obviously, just come on as a sub. Then I d- the Lever thing was weird. The only thing that was a bit strange about it is because Milan had navigated so many challenges by then. Kessie had hit the bar with a penalty. Mm. Liao got the opener. I mean, I really like that sort of young collection of yeah, Milan like attackers. Milan. Yeah, they got, uh, you know, obviously Rebic is um, in the mix. Liao, uh, Bram Diaz has found his spot and it seems really happy there. I really like that constellation of attackers and they've got, you know, they've got growth there. And obviously the picking up Jury was a really good signing. So it was a shame they got into that because that shouldn't be the main headline given, you know, 2-0 win over Lazio, strong outcome. Mm. 
Oh, while we're in Serie A, quick shout out for Venezia. Yes, got, got their the first, first win, win of the season. Okareke with a beautiful winner. I know. And that's a big win because Empoli have, they've shown something this year so far. Yeah, they've been really yeah. impressive the couple of times I've seen them. So yeah, great win for Venezia. Lovely to see that. Uh, Interdrop points against Samp. Sayar is just, it just looks fun, mad fun this season. Also Fiorentina with a win over Atalanta. Big win there. That's a headline. Yeah, your boys. We will swerve Liga for this week. It was very much as you were in Liga. Yeah, no although Marseille beating Monaco. They're replaying the game as well for, that got called off against Nice. Nice got doctor point, I think, yeah, for Nice that. got doctor point. Yeah. We'll cover that next week. As we will La Liga, there was no Barcelona this week. A few other games were called off. No Sevilla because of players on international duty, I think. Just a bit of a headline, a quick headline from the Real Madrid game. Back at the Bernabeu. That's big. And the other, the other big news from that is that Camavinga scored. After coming on as a sub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they looked in trouble, Real Madrid. They were 1-0 down. Mina scored, I was only like four minutes in or something. He scored a couple of times against Real Madrid. At I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, the weird thing about this game. Santi Mina, man. They looked in trouble because I think it was like they were 1-0 up and then 2-1 up, mm-hmm. Celta Vigo. But in between those, <laughs> in between those goals, Real were just, it was, it was a deluge, really. They didn't really have a sniff, yeah. Benzema Hattrick completed by a, a penalty right at the end. Uh, Vinicius. This could be a good year for Vinicius. You were saying actually, weren't you? You were saying actually, weirdly, I think you, you commented that um, Mbappe not signing mm. is good for Vinicius' development. It gives him a year, really. It gives him a year also to impress. I think I think this is a big year for him. His movement was really good the other day. Really good against he's been, he's already. I think he's already equaled his best ever La Liga goal scoring season. He's got, he's got a lot of goals in him. He's got a lot of goals. Yeah, man, remember he had a horrible injury a couple of years ago as well. Yeah. But yeah, Real eventually winning 5-2. The suffering is necessary. Yes. In the other part of Madrid. The anxiety exists. As they visited Barcelona to play Espanyol. And they left it late. Very late. The ninth of 10 added minutes at the end of the game, Thomas Lamar popped up and won the game for Atleti. Who, to be fair, were I thought were quite good. Yeah, but can I just say this to Atleti? I'm sorry, but like, you really put your fans through it. Like, <laughs> there are very few teams who've won as much as Atleti in recent years who put their fans through it to such an extent. I have some sympathy as a United fan because we would leave things very late. Mm. Atleti leave it to a point where it's, it's excruciating. It becomes almost, I was saying on Twitter, it's like a medieval quest for them. We had to search another way of attacking, Simeone said. I'm like, this is like, this... Everything feels like a spiritual, existential torment. Dude, doesn't Peter it? Jackson is working on a five-film Atleti <laughs> thing at the moment. I don't know if I've ever been so emotionally invested in a team which I did not support as Atleti. It's so strange, so strange. Because they're making it, aren't they? They're, make, they're making one, aren't they? They're making a documentary. Are they actually? Yeah, they're making one. Oh wow! It, they they just announced an <laughs> Atleti they? I documentary. Totally missed that. Sorry. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. It's it's, <laughs> it's um it's coming. Oh wow! Of of the, of the title-winning season. Oh, wow. How good is that going to be? Please How get Patrick Stewart narrating it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Simeone says the suffering my heart. is necessary. <laughs> the anxiety exists. Um, they, they could barely fit any more people in that midfield, to be honest. Chock a block. It's true. With Griezmann starting up front. I think he did okay, actually. Cut his hair. Starting up front with Suarez. But Carrasco was, again... Carrasco's been big. Carrasco's been great for Atleti, man, since he came back. Yeah, yeah, since he, yeah, yeah. That was a weird signing. Wasn't wasn't his goal like Atleti and microcosm, like winning yeah. the ball back, heart of the pitch, brilliant tackle, and then a composed finish. 
and just fighting for it, really fighting for it, not caring that they look scrappy, getting the job done. And Thomas Lamar with his, I mean, I, you know, I, I've always got stock in Thomas Lamar, I see. I love Thomas But it's that Lamar. thing of like, yeah, it's that thing of like, will this be the goal that launches him? <laughs> I just want him to be like, you know, a, a 10 assist, 10 goal a season player. You know, I just want that for him. Mm. But yeah, so great win for Atleti. And La Liga again, a spicy league to watch. Quick shout for Valencia, who beat Osasuna 4-1. Pepe Bordalas is doing a nice job at Valencia at the moment. Yes, yes. Like we said, all of this is caveated by the fact that they have only played four games this season. Barcelona uh, could go top. Sevilla could go top with their games in hand. But are we good? We don't I think we're good. I think- I think we've covered. Uh, we set the world to rights. We're Have all we? good. Um, well, this little corner of the world. Oh, quick shout for Borussia Dortmund Frauen. Uh, it was their first ever competitive game. It could be the seventh. It might be the seventh and the half tier of the pyramid because of the way that the leagues get split regionally. And they won eight 0 against Brambauer. It was the highest crowd of the weekend for a women's game in Germany. One thousand. 625, including Mats Hummels and Marcel Schmelzer. Awesome. And they're playing their games at the Roter Erde Stadion, which is the old Dortmund Stadium, which is next to the Westfalen. So oh, it's like the Wolfsburg thing. Yeah, so basically if you yeah. go, if you, anyone who's ever been to the Westfalen Stadion, you'll notice a smaller stadium right next to it with a running track around it. They kept it and they play a lot of like under 23s games there. And it's cool because it's right next to the Westfalen. So it's, mm. I like the fact that it's, so and it's a it's a really nice old 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 stadium as well. So yeah, I just wanted to give that a shout out. I think it's got to be done. Should bounce. Let's do it. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well, getting uh, vaccinated if you can. Don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. Check Wrighty's house on that'll be up on Wednesday with Musa and Carl and obviously Wrighty. We're on Twitter at Stadio Stadio Football on Instagram. Any complaints to Alkwanga on both? Wow. But if you do listen to a podcast app that allows you to rate and view, please do so. It'd be very kind. Uh, Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify. Don't forget if you want to check all the music playing out on each episode. And today, I think this is the third time we've played out on a tune by this guy. The late, great William Moniabor. Um, this one's called Body and Soul. Shouts to Loaka Butt, the great label founded by David Byrne. Puts out all of the William Moniabor stuff. Um, anything else you want to add, Musa? Nothing else, Your Honour. The defence rests. Uh, should we do Champions League mailbag on Thursday? Why not? Because that would be, be nice. We'll let the, the questions guide us. It's been a while since the questions guide us. The suffering is necessary. <laughs> uh, stay well, everyone. We'll be back on Thursday. Right, it's house on Wednesday. See you then. Take care.